Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 261 of Selling the Couch. Happy New Year. I hope that you are doing well. Uh, It's so good to be back with you. I, with the way 2020 was, I am really hoping that 2021 will just be a, uh, just a new year, uh, a year of new opportunities and new experiences and new podcast episodes. This is my wish for all of us because I, I feel like, you know, no, you know, I shared this toward the end of last year in, in our community, but I felt like one is just how resilient we have all been in the midst of all of what's happened right, with the pandemic. And even as I'm recording this right now, we're in in mid-November. And here in Philly, we, you know, are about to go into a second modified lockdown and trying to navigate all of this. And so even I'm, I'm hoping when this episode releases that we'll just be in a different space, that there will be vaccine ready and that distribution channels and all of that stuff will have been figured out and navigated through and all of those different things. Today's podcast session is a special episode. My guest is Dr. Roseanne Campana-Hodge. Roseanne is an integrative and pediatric mental health expert. She's the founder and director of the Global Institute for Children's Mental Health, as well as Dr. Roseanne and Associates. And Roseanne had a simple idea during the midst of this pandemic, which is you know, many of us are doing Zoom sessions and and using various other online platforms to do telehealth. And how do we do activities in a Zoom session? So she did a quick search on Amazon and discovered that there weren't uh, any options out there. And so she decided to create the first ever book on teletherapy, therapeutic activities. And we're actually talking about the process of creating this book where her inspiration came from, and some of the mental shifts that Roseanne had to really had to really consider and and own in the midst of this pandemic. Roseanne was actually super busy, as you'll hear on this podcast. She actually wrote four books and in the midst of this pandemic, which is just an amazing. Hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in 
launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Feet. So we'll get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Dr. Roseanne Campana Hodge. Hey, Roseanne, welcome to Selling the Couch. Well, thank you for having me, Melvin. I'm so grateful that Christy connected us. Shout out to Christy. (laughs) We love Christy. We do. We really do love Christy. Selling the Couch would not function and exist without Christy's editing. So thank you, Christy, for connecting us. And Roseanne, I'm really excited for our conversations. You are doing so much in the world and including creating the first ever book on teletherapy therapeutic activities. I mean, you've been busy. I have been busy, busy, Melvin. During what I call my Corona creative period, I wrote four books. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. And I did a bunch of other things, including, you know, getting a podcast of my own, which is how we both know Christy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, maybe we can even start there. I feel like with this pandemic, I feel like a lot of clinicians, you know, when it happened, it was just, it was almost like you got sideswiped, right? Absolutely. How in the world did you find the energy to write four books and do a podcast in the midst of something that's just so chaotic and, you know, uncertain? Yeah. So, you know, we all have different superpowers. And I think one of my absolute superpowers is really thriving during points of crisis. And, you know, I'm one of those people, like I can visualize, you know, being an undergrad and somebody got in a motorcycle accident, right, literally right in front of me, like, you know, 15 feet away from me. And everybody was totally immobilized. And I remember looking and thinking, why isn't anybody moving? And I just sprung into action and helped him. And I just have that ability to future think, think about what needs to happen and take action. So during this time, I, you know, I think like all of us, right, all the therapists in the world, we thought, okay, just going to be like four to eight weeks and we'll all be back at work. <laughs> right. I remember I remember those early posts even in the, you know, selling the couch Facebook community like, yeah, you know, we'll do our quarantining for like 3 4 weeks and we'll be good, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I said to myself, you know, during this time, you know, I when do I have time off, right? You know, I I you know, have a a large practice with many therapists and we do a lot of neurofeedback and I do a boatload of media and I was on an airplane or driving into New York City a minimum of once a week. Sometimes I'd be in LA, in New York, and then seeing clients in between in the same week. And and literally up until March 5th, that was what was happening. And, you know, when I had time off, I knew when the pandemic started, I said to myself, oh, they're saying a couple of weeks. I said, this has got to be at least four weeks. My sort of prediction was eight. We wind up closing our center for 10 and we're able to open up in um, May 20, on May 20th. And I knew during this time, after the four weeks, I was like, when we come back to work, it will not be the same. And, you know, I had said, I have 
work with a lot of special needs parents and, you know, our, we work with people of all ages, but our specialty really is, you know, kids with ADHD and uh, I do a lot of work with pans and pandas and autism, all of these things that are, are common today. And so I wrote my first book was It's Gonna Be Okay. And I worked on that. And then we have two books to support that book. And then, you know, June happened and I said, wow, people really aren't coming back to in-person. And I was surprised on that. I thought, okay, people are going to come back in person. I knew teletherapy was here to stay. And we've been doing teletherapy for 10 years at our center in Ridgefield, Connecticut. But I didn't realize that almost nobody was going to come back in person. And then we really have very high level training at our center. Everybody gets at least one supervision a week. Some people, you know, we do ERP. So there's an ERP supervision. We do EFT tapping. We have a supervision for that. We do group supervision and all the new clinicians have to have at least one supervision on their own a week for like the first two years. So we're really serious about supporting therapists and blossoming them. And so I started to get worried. You know, what were my therapists doing? Did they have enough activities? And I started doing what all the other therapists were doing, scrolling on their phone, checking Amazon, looking for a book on teletherapy activities. And, you know, I remember this so vividly. I was like, it was a Wednesday night. It was late June and I'm sitting in my hot tub and I put in tela and then mental health activities came up. And then I just dawned on me, there wasn't a book. So I said, I'm going to write this book. And (laughs) I wrote it in 31 days. It's 420 pages. And I just am very fast at writing and also have done a boatload of neurofeedback. So my brain works really fast. So, (laughs) but I really just, I started with wanting to support my own therapist. And then I realized that like therapist Melvin, you know, during this pandemic has, have, they all are feeling like they just got out of grad school because nobody was trained for teletherapy. Right. Yeah. And I think many people are like, yeah, it's a, it's a new skill set. A lot of folks, I think, I mean, what we talked about earlier, they're, you know, dealing with their own emotions and then the practical things, right? Like, you know, a lot of therapists are, for example, caregivers or parents, and they're trying to navigate, you know, like changes on multiple levels on multiple systems, right? Absolutely. And, you know, practical, like before we started, Melvin had me do a tech check. And, you know, a lot of therapists, regardless of age, may not have the comfort level with technology. And just even that was a barrier. Then supporting your clients' technology. (laughs) You know, there were a lot of hurdles to face. I think people now are in their stride with that. Like everybody knows Zoom now, right? And or different, you know, platforms that you're using. I use the HIPAA compliant version of Zoom and have always have. So, you know, and then like you said, Melvin, people were like feeling their own raw emotions. I mean, we've been on a roller coaster during this whole pandemic, not just with COVID, but with many other issues. Yeah, no, absolutely. I wanted to shift a little bit because, and and the question is actually about mental shifts. So I totally did not do that on purpose. But what do you think like a mental shift is that a clinician needs in working with kids and teens, because you said, you know, that's like a big part of the population in an office versus a a telehealth. So like, what's like mentally, what's the shift they need? You know, I mean, for those of us that work with kids and teens, I mean, we 
we all know that a requirement is actually really enjoying kids and teens and thinking they're fun. (laughs) So it's the same in teletherapy, right? I think the first mental shift that all therapists need to have in teletherapy is that they absolutely can be a rock star teletherapist and they can be as good in teletherapy as they were in person. And I think that's the first aha, right? Because I think that I've met a lot of therapists who are like, wow, it's just not as effective. And that's not the truth. We know through the research that it is. And just like everything else, there needs to be, you know, in terms of efficacy in therapy, the there's so many factors, but, you know, the client motivation and the skill set and experience of the therapist is another huge factor. So the shift that needs to happen, and I'm basing this on being in a lot of Facebook groups with therapists, is we need to shift back to therapeutic activities. I think a lot of people jumped in to teletherapy and not knowing what to do are overusing activities for engagement. You know, I see therapists doing Minecraft with kids, you know, still playing Scrabble on the regular, you know, just different things. And so, and why? I think it's because they didn't have a resource. And that's why I wrote this book, which is like literally dozens and dozens and dozens of activities um, that are therapeutic and just ridiculously easy to use. You get this book, you open it up. But, you know, they also can go to their own toolkit. And just like what I did is I modified solid therapeutic activities to be done in a really either visual and or tactile kinesthetic way. Um, they need to get creative, Melvin. And I think some people really are. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. I mean, I, I would say the vast majority of clinicians are quite creative. I mean, I just, again, I, I feel like this was such a unique time where there was like such a profound grief around whether it's having shut down an office or try to think about things differently or, you know, like all of the different other stressors that have come with this pandemic. But like, I I do like, to your point, like, I feel like so many clinicians now, like we really are like blossoming and emerging and, you know, blossoming for sure. Yeah. I mean, even yesterday, like I wrote this post in the community just about like, Hey guys, I know we've done been doing telehealth for a number of months. Like, can you share like what your office space looks like and what, you know, what tech are you using and what's not working, what's working. And it's just some of the stuff like that our colleagues are creating is just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I think like you brought up, you know, Melvin, some grief points that I think one of the biggest grief points that I hear from therapists is that, even though they're embracing teletherapy, they feel isolated. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, you know, we have two therapists in my office that are like, I got to see people in person, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they do different kinds of things. One works with a lot of really littles. And so that presents as a different challenge. And she's great in teletherapy. But, you know, I know both the therapists. What it is for them is they need the interaction with us, the office staff, me, you know, our neurofeedback staff. So, you know, everyone's got to do what's right for them. But therapists, you're right. Like they're getting into technology now. They're putting up beautiful backgrounds and, (laughs) you know, getting great lighting. 
you know? So I love all that stuff. And, you know, then they're really creating a lot more exciting activities that they can use with their clients. Yeah, absolutely. But kids, you know, they, they're they very different working with kids and teenagers than adults. Adults are going to come in and, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I always prefer working with kids or to adults. And, and it's not that way. The majority of therapists work with adults. But, you know, kids are open and they're open to creative things, but they need a lot more in this virtual world because they're doing many of them virtual learning. And then we're asking them to get on and do a virtual session again, you know, they need movement. They need a focus on activities that are stimulating, that are visual. Otherwise you're just not going to get that same kind of therapeutic growth. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I, so really random, like can not at all to put you on spot. Like what's an example of an activity in the book that? You, oh you yeah. Read? Oh, you're not putting me on the spot. I could talk about this all day. Yeah. So, I figured you, um, <laughs> you were right on your mind. So. And I have some activities, you know, I ha- have some activities that are coming up on my YouTube channel, Dr. Roseanne that are there and people can, you know, just see them. So one of the activities that we have is calm my brain. And so there's different ways to do it, right? So you can use this if you're anxious, if you have OCD, if you have social issues, whatever the issue is. But, you know, we know most people are experiencing stress and clinical anxiety at this point. And so, you know, it's a, you know, a calm art activity is what it's called. And so it's a brain. And so, you know, with my book, you can get PDFs. So you can either email a PDF or pop it on the screen, or you can draw a brain and you get into a habit of a check-in with a kid or a teenager. This is a great activity for a lot of things. And then you can say like, you know, what is the issue, right? They can write it, they can draw it, they can put it right on their brain. And I'm huge into a lot of things, but I am a big part of my work is psychoeducation and really teaching kids, teens, and their families about what the issue is. I have a lot of psychoeducation sheets in my book as well. Many people come to me, I I deal with a lot of complex issues at my center, Melvin, and it's not unusual for somebody, even with a child, to have seen 10 or 12 other providers. And often they are craving that understanding that psychoeducation. So it's so important. And we know therapeutically that when people understand the issue, they're more likely to take action. So this is an activity to bring in psychoeducation about the brain, but it's really for them to connect with their body to understand. So the other part about my book is all the activities have a somatic um, component to them. Because I, you know, I do a lot of work with trauma. I was one of the approved providers with Sandy Hook. So I did a lot of work with Sandy Hook survivors. But long before that, I've been working with trauma sufferers. And, you know, it's important to get people to connect their body. And so that's one of the activities that has the psychoeducation piece. It's got art in there. It's got a kinesthetic and visual part as well as, you know, it's really, really getting kids to understand their body and be like, wow, here's an alert signal. And this means I need to take action. So that's an activity that I have in the book. That's really cool. Yeah. I wanted to, uh, I mean, like our time flew 
So I wanted to ask you a final question. Just in general, like, how did you come up with these activities? I mean, was this like, you know, I know I've done this and I, it was almost like a, you sat down and wrote it down or like, how did you even compile? Like, I mean, that's a lot of activities, you know, in this yeah. book. Yeah. I mean, it's 420 pages. So how did I do it? I do, this is what I do with everything. (laughs) I wrote my other book, 200 pages, 35 pages of citations. It's going to be okay. Really quick too. But what I do is I do a lot of planning and organizing. So writing itself is ridiculously easy for me. I, I can bang out writing, but where I'll spend the bulk of my time is planning. So, you know, what I did is I said, what are the most common issues facing kids that therapists need support? So it's anxiety, it's mood, it's anger, OCD. We have an OCD section in the book. So many people have OCD. We had art, we had, you know, there's, and psychoeducation components. And so then I started with that. And then I just was like, wait a second, you know, it was sort of like just a wave where you're like, I did this activity and this helps. And then we use this and we use that. You know, I've been supervising, you know, therapists for, you know, well over a decade. You know, I've been a college professor. I've been working in mental health for 30 years. There's a lot in my brain and it's super organized. And it just really honestly flowed. And, you know, I also interviewed a few of the therapists in my office and was like, wait a second, I know you use this technique. So I did a little picking of the brain. And of my favorite colleagues, but really honestly, it just poured out of me. And I know what works. I think when you deal with really complex cases, you have the best strategies available to you and they're applicable to the easiest, you know, I should say situations that maybe just need a short-term support, but they're also great for challenging cases because, you know, in these 30 years, I've been working with kids cases are challenging now, Melvin, like people have multiple layers younger. So that's how I did it. Started with the need. And I've been often referred to as a walking encyclopedia. And I just got writing. Uh, Did you organize this? Like, did you use like, like any, like, you know what I use? A a good old Google (laughs) sheet, my friend. (laughs) Nice. And I do a lot of color coding and then I put Google docs to it. And I'm going to tell you the next time, because book editors, somebody edited it for me, book editors edit in Word. So now I know to make it in Word because that was a pain. The hardest part about our book was actually there's there's got to be probably 200 supporting graphics. And that was the hardest part. Oh, I would imagine like having having someone draw this or like what? We used a graphic design software. And it's in there. We made, you know, like you'll see tons of hands out. There's like 200 handouts in this book. Like it's, it's no joke. This is a really, it's why we call it the handbook, the therapist handbook for training children and teens, because it really has a lot of stuff in there. And I have parents using it too, which is really like, I was like, I'm so glad. Absolutely. Uh, Roseanne, I'm just so grateful for you. Grateful for just your energy and just the passion to create something like this. Where can we, one, learn more about the book? And then also, I know that you have an awesome, awesome giveaway for us that really I'm grateful that you created that for us. Where can we find that as well? Well, first of all, I'm just going to say I'm grateful for you having me on, Melvin. I'm a big fan of your show. So that's how I found Christy. So thank you. And thank you for what you do, because you're helping a lot of therapists on the daily. So I appreciate that. So 
you can find my book, Teletherapy Toolkit. You can find it on Amazon or you can go to teletherapytoolkit.com. But I have a fabulous bonus and it is over a hundred coping statements. They are more directed towards kids and teens, but honestly, they're great for any therapist. They are the coping statements that I've been compiling for probably 10 years. And we need to teach people to learn how to feel uncomfortable and get through them so that they can really be stress inoculated. And they're just great statements. There's, you know, therapists can use them. You can give them to your parents. And you can go to teletherapytoolkitbonus.com. That's teletherapytoolkitbonus.com. And you can download it for free. Perfect. Roseanne, thank you again for doing this and uh, have a great rest of your day. Be well. Hi there. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Roseanne. And especially if you are in a season where you have been doing telehealth and are just struggling with activities, particularly to connect with teens and kiddos, I hope that today's podcast session has been helpful for you. Roseanne mentioned a number of resources, and you can find all of that on the Selling the Couch show notes page, which is over at Selling the Couch dot com forward slash session and the number two six one. As I was reflecting on this conversation, I think one of the things I was really impressed by was, you know, the fact that Roseanne was able to create so much content in a short amount of time. But two, I think, you know, beyond just the content of writing the book, like I feel like, you know, we're in this unique time really in history with our field and how we think about things because you know, personally for me, like, you know, I, I realize in the midst of this pandemic, you know, I was sometimes not at a, like, probably too much, but, you know, just reading some of these stuff about coronaviruses, and all of this stuff, like, I, you know, I don't imagine, like, that this is going to go away. I think it's a very realistic possibility there is going to be another pandemic, right? I don't, nobody knows when, right? And hopefully they have better safeguards in place. But I think this, what this practically means is it really affords us the opportunity to think differently about some of the things that we can do in our profession, with our clinical skills, and even thinking through many of those things, like what do we want our businesses to look like? What do we want our practices to look like? And how do we sort of also think future-proof, right? So in the fact of like, if there is something like another pandemic what will that look like, right? If you decide to go back in the office, what will that look like? If for some reason, you know, there's this this change, which typically, unfortunately, doesn't happen in the in our field where, you know, stressors generally do tend to bring increased business. But just in, in, in case of that, how do we diversify income and all of those different things? So I hope that you're thinking about those things as well. And if you haven't joined the Selling the Couch community on Facebook, please be sure to join there as well. We have conversations. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop.
like this all the time. And it's a, it's a good group of people. You can find that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. Have a great rest of your day and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.